Welcome to the Fantasy Empire. I am Theo Greminger filling in for Nando DeFino, and I'm joined, of course, by Chris Vaccaro. Uh, Chris, how are we doing today, man? This is, uh, it's wild. It's week five. You have bye weeks now. Uh, the season is just flying by. We were talking about this in the pre-show. H- how were your teams doing uh, in week four? It's kind of a weird one. I had a lot it of was. teams that were, I had a bunch that were, like, not a lot of Monday Night Sweats. It was a lot of, like, games decided heading into Monday. Mm-hmm. Um, and it wasn't, I had a couple of close ones, but a lot of them were, like, win by a lot or lose by a lot. It was, like, a very, very weird very weird week for me. How about yourself? Yeah, Theo, I feel like the same way. Um, you know, I, I came down to that Monday night game. I feel like all my matchups for a change were decided already. Either I banked some good points and had some nice weeks of 160, 170, teams like that. Or I had a, a handful of teams that bombed out this past week. And, and I'm talking bombed out. 90-point weeks, 95-point weeks. Um, a lot of no-shows. There were seven offenses this past week that did not record an offensive touchdown. And if you had players going in those games on those teams, it's, it's kind of like feast or famine right now, Theo, I feel like, you know, there's certain offenses you want to hit your, uh, you know, you hit your fantasy teams too. And then there's offenses that are just absolutely sinking you along with, you know, the quarterbacks that are sinking you. Yeah. It's, it's a very weird year. And I feel like a, a lot of times the, it's almost like a DFS mentality like there's certain weeks where the matchups are, are affecting, you know, which guys you play. You you want to have as much set it and forget it guys as possible, but I feel like it's it's you're less able to do that. And you bring up the quality of the offenses and kind of like the disconnect between the really good teams and the really, really bad teams, especially on the offensive side of the ball. But it's 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 incredible. It's like you watch Buffalo. And Miami, you know, they lose the game, but they still have, you know, so much talent on that side of the ball. And you watch teams like that, and then you watch a team like the New York Giants play, um, and it's it's like two different sports. It's almost like college yeah. football, the disconnect between the haves and the haves-nots. Um, let's touch on your Giants. This is um, This is really, really bad. This is like top three pick in the NFL draft type bad. Yep. Uh, the offensive line can't block anybody. Daniel Jones looks like he's regressed. I think Brian Dable, um, I think he pulled a fast one on us, Chris. I really do. I think that <laughs> one like, hit wonder. <laughs> I don't know. You tell me. Yeah, he, he might be a one hit wonder. Um, I don't want to go overboard. Uh, you know, we're four weeks in, but this offense does look like complete crap. Uh, I know we were all attacking the offensive line and the offensive line is bad. Don't get me wrong, but uh, they were missing Andrew Thomas. The kid Neil hasn't panned out yet. Uh, he's he's struggling, and um, you know they they lost their center from uh, you know their second round pick from Minnesota uh, early in that game as well. So the whole offensive line got depleted. They're they're without their obviously their superstar Barkley to help out, you know some checkdowns and everything. But Dan Orlovsky did an unbelievable job. If you guys get a chance to to check it out, um, a lot of those sacks were on Daniel Jones and not the offensive line. He took 11 sacks, which is a crazy number, but he's got to do a better job getting the ball out of his hands, finding those hot reads right out the gate. Uh, the the pick six that ruined the game, turned the game completely off, you know, there is uh, was all on Daniel Jones, missing a, a pretty wide open Waller. Yeah. It's just a, It's just terrible. And this is an offense that, you know, if you have pieces in which the Giants, we really don't have that many pieces of, right? You know, the wide receivers and everything other than Darren Waller that we keep getting hit over the head. We keep going to the well and getting hit over the head with every week. But Daniel Jones has got to go to the bench. Um, you know, I know uh, one of our, uh, you know, read, uh, listeners asked Daniel Jones or Sam Howell this week, if we could address that. And I'll say right now, it's Sam Howell for me. I'm not even I actually have a team that's Daniel Jones, Deshaun Watson, and I picked up Sam Howell last week. Sam Howell's right in my starting lineup. It's not even a thought. So, um, you know, this Giants offense, hopefully we look up in, a you know, two or three weeks when Barkley's back in and they're moving the ball more consistently. But, uh, you know, somebody's got to step up. Hopefully that's Wandell Robinson. Theo. I liked what I saw out of him that I think maybe he could be another piece in this offense that's uh you know contributes to the Giants uh, success on a weekly basis. 
I like your Wondell Robinson call, and I think it's kind of going a little bit under the radar because of how bad the Giants' offense looked. But he's now been, you know, back for two straight games. First game back, he gets five targets. Uh, this game back, the, the target share looks there. And, you know, if the offensive line is going to be awful and Daniel Jones is not completing passes downfield, then we want to look at those guys who can kind of dink and dunk their way into the, like, low dot success. And let's touch on Waller, though, Chris, because mm-hmm. it's very frustrating. But the position is so bad. He's tight end 12 right now. That's um, crazy, isn't wild. it? It's wild times. Um, yeah. Right now, it's looking like one of the sh- like every year. There's a uh, one or two players that get drafted higher in high stakes than they do in regular like home leagues. The ADP, there's always a disconnect. There's guys kind of kind of chasing a specific guy. You know, this year we saw Garrett Wilson fly up. Um, you know, in the 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 20k NFFC to end the end the summer, he goes three overall. Um, that I I think like. Garrett Wilson's incredible. We're, we're just seeing, you know, obviously an offensive downgrade. But Darren Waller, we don't usually see tight end steam like this in NFFC. In FFPC, uh, Waller steamed all summer. But then we saw a late bump with Waller going, you know, sometimes in the third round, living in the fourth round of these NFFC drafts. And he just hasn't made an impact. You could have waited and taken Evan Engram. Uh, hindsight's twenty twenty. But do you see Waller kind of, kind of, bouncing back here a little giant self-scouting and kind of get this thing going how how much adjustment do we need to make for Darren Waller yeah you know listen it's just a bad pick uh, you know through one month of the season but Theo like you said the tight end position you go through it they were all bad picks and and don't get me started that fifth round this year in high stakes looks like a complete wipeout uh you know, you got guys like Dotson and, and, and others. I won't go through all the names, but the fifth round was a real uh, – it was like the third round last year in NFFC and high stakes. Waller, uh, you got to take your medicine, but like you said, he's still in the top 12, Theo, and it doesn't take much nowadays to stay in the top 12 at the tight end position. If you went down the board a little more, you still landed on grenades everywhere you looked. Kyle Pitts, grenade. Dallas Goddard, grenade. George Kittle, grenade. Like – you know, everybody was was bad. And this is we're going to wind up turning around again this season, looking up and go Kelsey and Andrews dominating the position again. And that's and even Kelsey's not having like, you know, putting up unbelievable Kelsey numbers. But the gap at the tight end position, I want I want to mention Hawkinson as well, Theo, because yeah. even had a terrible game his first one this past week I think those three are going to be separating themselves so much at the position that it's going to be you know uh, another huge advantage if you have those three guys compared to the rest we got to mention our boy Laporta in here if you drafted Laporta maybe maybe you gotta you gotta mention Laporta gotta mention Laporta (laughs) so Chris let me ask you let me ask you I'll go completely off topic here because we talked about Laporta yesterday on my mansion and this is a guy that like, take a step back. Like, do we both agree Sam Laporta is a top five tight end rest of the way? I Yeah, I, I do. I, uh, I, I see it. So where, put on your, I, this is a redraft show, but mm-hmm. in terms of dynasty, is is Sam Laporta the tight end one in dynasty? Would you take him over anybody else based on his talent and his age if you could have somebody for the rest of their career? No, no, give me Laporta. I just, just passes the eye test. Just looks like a, you know, he looks like a mini Gronkowski running out there um, up and down the field. Things change, Theo. We don't know the quarterback position, how long he'll have Goff and, and, you know, stuff like that. But as of now, yeah, the future looks bright for him going forward. I think he could be a, you know, one of these guys that's around eight, 10 years. That's just, you know, one of those tight ends that we draft as our top two tight end on the board going forward every year. Yeah, he looks incredible. And Chris, we've got to talk about Jamison Williams coming back yeah. uh, from suspension. But first, let's uh, take a break and hear from a word from our sponsors. Hey, we're all starting new fantasy leagues all the time. And more often than not, where do we start our fantasy leagues at Player Profiler? On Sleeper. Because it's the best. You can imagine my excitement when I saw Sleeper rolled out. Slaper picks, baby. And game stacking is the path to positive returns with these pick'em games. Find that sneaky shootout and set most of the players to go over their projection for that week. Or you find a game going to get dragged into the mud and take every member of the passing game for less than their projections that week. And if you pick up to eight, 
That's how you 100x your payout on Sleeper. It's called the Hail Mary. So if you use promo code UNDERWORLD, you get a $100 instant deposit match. Check out Sleeper's terms and conditions for details. These Sleeper picks are live in over 25 states. Yeah, buddy. Welcome back to the Fantasy Empire. I'm Theo Greminger filling in for Nando DeFino, uh, joined as always by Chris Vaccaro. And Chris, we we see each other in, in a lot of draft rooms as the summer moves along. I see you in New York City. I see you in Vegas. And I we talked a little bit about Jamison Williams. I, I feel like he was the guy that when you got kind of jammed at the wide receiver position with your builds, you'd mm-hmm. end up trying to maybe grab some Jamison and then sit on him thinking that, you know, maybe you get get a guy you could put into the flex or wide receiver three, you know, when he comes back from suspension on week seven. Now you get the positive news that the NFL changes the rule and Jamison Williams is immediately eligible. Last year, Jamison had, of course, coming off of a big major injury, played six games, had one catch, had one nice run, but it was like pretty much invisible. But we love the 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 prospect coming out of Alabama. What are your thoughts on Jamison, his fantasy impact, and the impact he's going to have on the, the Detroit Lions offense? Yeah, Theo, that's that's a great point. What you just said, that was the mind frame. You know, if you got into a draft and maybe you had, you know, you got a little behind in wide receiver and you're not liking your prospects there. Jamison was always going in that 100 to 125 range. Uh, Nico Collins, Romeo Dobbs uh, right there. If you missed out on that little tier um, and you looked up, wide receiver got really thin, really fast at the high stakes level um, in that range. And you said, all right, listen, I know I got to sit on it for, for six weeks, but down the stretch, if I could have a successful, you know, September and early October and get a player like Jamison Williams, what we in our minds believe we could possibly be getting back. It was tough to look at any other wide receiver on the draft board after 125 in, in that range and say, you know, who am I going to put in my starting lineup down the road? So, um, yeah, you know, I think we got to temper our expectations, Theo, right off the bat. He hasn't been in the facility. Um, he's coming back now. I think if he is active this Sunday, okay, um, I, I, handful of snaps. I don't think you could play him right off the bat. So don't even, if you're thinking about, oh, my God, I got Jamison Williams, I get to start him, you know, it's not going to happen, okay? And when he does come back, now we have, you know, Josh Reynolds is playing very well, okay? So – is he going to be a he's going to run behind Amon Ra and and Laporta target wise each week. So now we're looking at a receiver that is in a good offense, you know, um, and he couldn't possibly be the third target splitting that with Josh Reynolds. So I don't think it's anybody that we could look at and, and say, OK, um, we have a, a wide receiver, two on our hands. I think it's just a nice player to have on your bench. We got a nice uh, break here with the suspension getting reduced. Look at him as a flex play, you know, and in certain matchups, you throw him out there as your wide receiver three on certain weeks. He gives you a nice, you know, three for 60 and a touchdown type game. But, I, you know, too many targets uh, fuddled to St. Brown and Laporta here. So, I, you know, on draft day, I liked the prospect of taking him. But now as we get into the season and him coming back, I, I have to temper my expectations a little bit, Theo. And I think you kind of hit the nail on the head, though, Chris. Like the biggest takeaway is – Josh Reynolds has had, uh, I believe, 65 receiving yards and six targets in every single game that he's mm-hmm. played this year. He missed one game, and he also had a two-touchdown performance. So I feel like Jamison Williams was the guy that if the other receivers were kind of struggling, he would have been able to step right in. But Reynolds has been so good. I think that Jamison will be ahead of Raymond, ahead of Marvin Jones off, oh, off yeah. the bat. Yeah. Um, but Marvin's I think from- dust. Yeah, Marvin's, Marvin's dust. Yeah. Thank you for your service to us over the yes. years, Marvin Jones. Yes. We got a lot of fantasy value. You made a lot of here. money, Marvin. And, yeah. and you, you know, but maybe he gets released. Who knows? But, you know, listen, what about Jared Goff here in this offense? Now, you get another weapon there. You get a, a, a strong offensive line, one of the best in football, and a great running game. Okay. And all of a sudden, Jared Goff's going to keep pumping out some, some top eight QB weeks. You know, and, and with the quarterback landscape looking the way it is, I look at my benches. He's the backup on a lot of my teams, and I'm immediately thinking about putting him in right now and maybe riding Jared Goffia. This looks like a week where he could go 300 and three touchdowns. And and once Williams gets 
incorporated into this offense in a couple weeks, he's going to have weapons all over the field, man. And, and he's looking like one of these quarterbacks that if you waited on quarterback, you stick him in there each week, he gives you solid numbers, him and Brock Purdy, you know, our guy Purdy, Theo, guys like that, they're, they're, you know, a comfortable 25 fantasy points a week in, in NFFC scoring. So, yeah. So brought, let's, let's, uh, let's also stay with Detroit though, Chris, cause yeah, uh, Jameer Gibbs. Oof. What like uh, I don't think so. It's funny, Chris. Like we, you know, we had such a like a emotional ride last Thursday because David Montgomery's announced out for like an hour. Mm-hmm. So you know, if you're on the West Coast, you maybe didn't experience this, but us us New Yorkers, you get the little little prompt, whichever your whichever service you use. Yeah. You know, if one, hey, yeah. shout out shout out to you guys. Uh, you know, at Sleeper, they they're one of our sponsors, but you know, Sleeper drops a a little bit of ping on your phone and you look at it and it says David Montgomery out and you got Jameer Gibbs and you're like, okay, this is it. National TV, Thursday night game, prime time. Let's unleash Jameer. Uh, let's yeah. go. And then David Montgomery's announced in, but you still are like, okay, maybe they're rushing him back. I know for me, we left David Montgomery on a, a few benches. Um, yeah. I started him in a couple of leagues but it wasn't like I started him being like, oh my gosh, you know, I'm so excited. It was more like I'm struggling at the RB2 or the flex spot. I got to use David Montgomery, even though I think he might struggle. And then he goes insane. And on the flip side, Jameer Gibbs, it was like a funeral on fantasy Twitter. But the guy gives you nine and a half points, uh, despite Montgomery having a historical day. I think people are trying to make sense of what's going on here. Uh, what do you think about the running back situation in Detroit? Well, real quick, Theo, yeah, we talked about that last week after that game. Uh, I'm a huge Montgomery owner. That was one of my guys this year. Uh, I wanted to constantly, every draft I was in, he was my target for that seventh round, uh, and that was my plan. I wanted to hit one big running back early, wait on running back till that seventh round, and grab a, a Montgomery, Khalil Herbert, Brian Robinson type. So that was my number one plan at, at running back this year. Montgomery, um, you know, when you own that many shares, Theo, we talked about this. If you own a lot of shares of a player in a situation like that, we don't usually go all in, right? You know, we we pick and choose. We say, all right, I got some better options. I got some good options on my bench. Uh, I'll sit Montgomery on this team or whatever. And then he drops a 35-point week, the dream, you know, the week that you dream of. And, you know, even if you put him in, just say you have 10 shares of him, you put him in eight, you're not happy the next day because you sat him and missed on 35-point games on, on two leagues. So, you know, that aside, um, Theo, I think the, the reason with Gibbs and by the way, with Montgomery, Theo, I think how quickly one game changes our mind on players and, and outlooks for seasons. You know, Montgomery, we, we liked them and everything. But after that past week, now we look up going into this week and we're like, oh, my God, I got an RB1 top 10 running back on our hands. Right. Yeah, you know, think- so it is it's very week to week in our, our game. I think we have to start changing our, our outlook. It's not like the old days. The last couple of years here, we, we always quick to see a, a big game from a player and go, okay, we're good going forward or a bad game or two. And, oh, we're bad going forward. It's a week to week fantasy game. Now we can't say, okay, this player like Khalil Herbert, you know, I, I don't want to get off the topic, but you know, I, I considered him like dust for the last three weeks. He was on all my benches. Now he comes in, he has one good game. And now I'm like, all right, I got a, I got my solid RB2 that I thought I drafted back. And now after this week, if he has a bad game, now our mind frame goes back to bench him. He's done, you know, whatever. So it's just a week-to-week game. Get through this week. We put so much effort and time into every week. Get through it. Make your best lineup decisions and everything. And then we'll tackle next week. But stop thinking, like, down the road. Theo, as for Gibbs, and I want to bring in Ramondre Stevenson into this argument. The, uh, Gibbs was a third rounder. Ramondre was kind of a borderline third, fourth um, rounder. I think the mind frame is different. If, if you drafted receiver heavy a little early and then went in and got Jameer Gibbs as your RB1 in the third round, you're feeling way more terrible because you thought, okay, I hit receiver hard the first two rounds, got Gibbs in the third or the fourth. And he's my RB1 and he's going to give me 17 to 20 a game and I'm going to my teams are going to go crazy. If you did it the opposite way, just say and you drafted a McCaffrey in the first round and then hit Gibbs in the fourth. It's not hurting you as bad because Gibbs 
is giving you, you know, 10 points, 12 points here, whatever. It doesn't hurt your fantasy team as much. When you look at you say, all right, that's my RB2. He gave me 12 points. I look around my leagues. RB2 is garbage. Uh, the running back position is killing people. Same thing with Ramondre Stevenson. If you if you, he's your RB1, you're feeling terrible about your teams. But if he's your RB2 and he keeps giving you 10, 12 points each week, you're saying, all right, I, I could get by maybe on this. So I think it's where you drafted these running backs to be what role on your fantasy team, whether you drafted them to be your RB1 or your RB2. And, yeah, you hit the nail on the head. And it's it's funny, though, the way people reacted to this, it's almost like he scored zero. He finishes as RB25 on the week. And again, it's not an impactful number, mm-hmm. but the context of it is for me, Gibbs had four receptions, uh, despite the fact that David Montgomery gets a 30 carries. Yeah. And I think that the the story has not been fully written. We've seen so many rookie running backs uh have their roles like develop throughout the season. You know, think about where we were last year with Ken Walker, where we were uh, you know, when Jonathan Taylor had his big breakout. There's been and obviously Gibbs is a very different back and the threat of Montgomery. But we have seen, uh, you know, Dan Campbell in the past use rookies more often towards the back end of the year. The biggest example was Amon Ross St. Brown. You know, this time when he was a rookie, there was some injuries and there was, you know, some scattered usage. And then they leaned on him the whole last seven, eight games of the season. So I agree with Tyler Knabel in the chat who says that I don't see the lines would change, uh, you know, everything. But, I, Chris, you can't think that Montgomery is going to be a 30-carry guy, no, a 25-carry no. guy. He's going to get run into the ground. So, I don't know. what, uh, Like, what way would you be treating Gibbs? Like, you're if you have Gibbs, yeah. you're still starting him in the flex? I mean, as your third rounder, Theo, you got to, you know? Yeah. You got to – there's a lot of guys you just got to take your medicine each week and stick them in your RB2 spot. Uh, I have a lot worse running backs that I start in the last couple of weeks than Jameer Gibbs. You know, you hope that the, the thing with, you know, that was crazy about that game besides the 30 carries is, um, you know, Montgomery ran what 14 routes and Gibbs ran 13, you yeah. know, something like that. So it wasn't even like, okay, when we're in third and seven Gibbs is, you know, out there running the routes, it's Montgomery's getting into everything. Um, you know, are we going to get into this situation and maybe we should have seen this more in August as a fantasy community. This Lions team is, is a pretty damn good team. They're going to be playing with the lead a lot. Do we, are we more game script dependent for Jameer Gibbs each week? You know, you look up this week, the 10 point favorites at home versus Carolina. I don't think they're getting in a situation where Carolina is up 24 to 10 in the third. And you see Jameer Gibbs getting, you know, six, seven uh, catches out of the backfield playing from behind. So, what role are we uh, predicting for Gibbs? I think we're in for another letdown or another, you know, hoping we get 10 points out of Gibbs this upcoming week. Yeah, I think he's a flex at best, um, you know, depending on your needs. And we start having the bye weeks, though, Chris. It mm-hmm. makes everything, it makes everything oh. you know, much, much uglier. Rosters um, are going to be really tested now, Theo. This is when we separate the men from the boys now with the, the bye weeks coming in. I see a lot of teams, and I know you do too. You're looking around your, your leagues, and, and you see some teams that you play, and you look at their bench, and you know th- this is fine because I actually did this the other day just looking around some of my leagues. You look at teams, right, at the high-stakes level and, and in deeper home leagues and everything. You look at their benches, and you go, oh, my God, th- this guy's bench had a, a four, a three, a six, a five, just straight garbage, straight down. And they have you know a, a solid enough starting lineup. And it's one of those, you know, you look at these teams and you go, okay, when they, when we get into these bye weeks and they got to go to their bench and they're missing this, you know, top receiver or or good running back, they're in trouble. Their point totals are going to go from the 150 down to the 120, 110s. So we're getting into that now. Scores were low this past week uh, around a lot of my leagues. Uh, You know, you saw three or four teams around that 100 point mark. Bye weeks are here. Studs are coming out of your, you know, team's lineups. Benches are already light. You know, it, it's it's going to be uh, it's going to be a challenge now for fantasy teams going forward. Yeah, we've got four teams on by this week, and then two next week, so it's very kind of manageable. And then week seven is the ugly one. That's six teams yeah. on by. So isn't yeah, there two you, of those this year, Theo? Isn't there two weeks I, where there's six I, teams on a buy, which is craziness? 
I believe I, so, but I'm yeah. just trying to survive the next three, Chris. Yeah. I'm not, I, I can't look. <laughs> there I, can't you, look I got you, buddy. Yeah, no, I look, you're right. I can't look that far. Um, hey, better was, schedule this. Better schedule this week. I don't know if you're like me that it infuriates you, but you know we've had the nine and eight one p.m. games, but only three four o'clock games. At least now this week we get six at one, four at uh, four o'clock. So a nice spread out uh, week with the London game as well to start us off, which is a great game, by the way. I'm excited for that one. Oh, that London game is awesome. Um, yeah. But I want to mm-hmm. I want to backtrack. We got a Thursday sure. night game. Uh, you bring up Khalil Herbert. The Chicago Bears offense has a big bounce back this week. Justin Fields has four passing touchdowns, a career high in passing yardage. Uh, Cole Komet finds the end zone twice. DJ Moore has himself a real game. And then, you know, I don't I don't know about you, Chris, but the beat reporters keep getting so many things wrong. Uh, we hear Roshan Johnson is going to get this much larger role, and it turns oh. out to be Khalil Herbert. Herbert finishes as easily as an RB1 uh, for the week. What to make of this Bears offense? They, yeah, but you know, it's yeah, Theo. Real quick, I was going to say before when you when you brought up the the topic with the beat reporter. Um, you know, bad week for the beat reporters this past week. Everything they reported was completely off. Starting with your point was the Montgomery one. Uh, you know, early in the day, saying that he wasn't going to play. Same thing with Carr starting, and then I got an alert that no, wait, it's Winston now. It's Carr. Just reporting everywhere. All the you know the Zeke Elliott one uh, that he was going to play starter reps same thing with Roshan just a a bad week for the reporters Uh, Bears offense it was nice to see some life we have to attribute the fact that they were playing an absolute garbage defense in the Broncos Um, so that was a part of it but hey listen credit where credit's due Justin Fields looked really well really good Um, in my eyes he looked good throwing and everything nice to see DJ Moore uh, we expect those DJ Moore weeks. We hope that, you know, yeah, we're going to get some DJ Moore spike weeks like that. That was great to see. We just hope that we don't fall into those two for 22s on, you know, three target type games for DJ Moore. DJ Moore is the type of receiver in this offense that should see double digit targets every single week, get six or seven easy buddy passes, and we should never worry about DJ Moore having 12, 15 points every week in this offense. The two other pieces, though, that were great to see, though, Theo, uh, Khalil Herbert and Cole Komet. Now, if we could get these guys to be fantasy relevant again, it helps you. It helps out big time. The running back position brings somebody in on the tight end position. Cole Komet saw nine targets in this game. Maybe he goes from – and this, this happened last year, Theo. This is the crazy thing. You know, the first yeah. – Month of the season, Justin Fields and Cole Komet were useless. We dropped both of them, okay? And then what happened? Cole Komet went on to have a top six tight end season the second half. Justin Fields rose from the dead to become, you know, uh, Joe Montana. Uh, And, you know, are we seeing that again this year? And correct me if I'm wrong. I'm just thinking, wasn't last year in like week five on a Thursday night, the Bears, it was the Bears and Washington that played? That game yes. that turned it all around. That well, that was the end. They, they were so bad in that Thursday night game that then week six they picked up and took off. Was that a week's? Was that a uh, Thursday I, night I, game? Between I know the that two? they played. Yeah, I, I believe they were on a Thursday night last year. Weird that they're ba- playing again this year at basically the same time, Chicago and Washington, and maybe this is the second week of the Fields and Cole Komet, you know, uh, revital uh, revitalization tour. So. You got to make the storylines for it, Chris, because nobody's too excited for for Washington Chicago on a Thursday. It's I guess it's intriguing. Um, it's a it, it's, yeah. it it could be worse. It could be worse. We could be seeing the Giants on Thursday. Cool. Um, you know, it could or be Joe Burrow Carolina. and the Bengals. Yeah, Joe Burrow and the Bengals. Oh gosh, that's it's it's just, it's just pathetic how how bad that is. But do you mm-hmm. so like Khalil Herbert for for you moving forward? Do you think this is something where he's going to get overtaken by Roshan? Do you think he's showing enough that we can trust him? Do you think the sh- the Bears coaching staff kind of knows what they're doing here, or is it going to be a hot hand approach? It's it's just weird, you know, for Khalil Herbert to have the first three weeks he had look lifeless, and then to look like he got shot out of a cannon this past week. Get eighteen carries, uh, hundred three yards. He chips in four catches in the past game. Looks like a serviceable RB two. So all we could do, based off of what we saw last week, is roll with him now in our starting lineup again. RB two going forward. Uh, it's not the greatest matchup against that Washington front, uh, but 
you know, in games like this, they get behind. I expect I expect this Washington offense to score about 27 to 30 in this game. I think Sam Howell, Terry McLaurin starting to step up uh, and look like a, a legit, you know, wide receiver one, uh, you know, that he is in that offense. Washington has some nice pieces. Brian Robinson is also another solid RB2 that stepped up. So I think Chicago is going to find themselves in a position where they're throwing from behind. I like Cole Komet again. And if Khalil Herbert's out there on the field at the the snap percentage clip that he was this past week, he could chip in five, six catches. So yeah, I got to go right back to him, Theo. It's a sneaky fantasy week. This game feels like it could be a sneaky over environment. I know both teams don't, don't block. So both quarterbacks take a lot, takes, take a lot of sacks which always scares you a little bit because it, it kind of can affect the game flow. Yeah. But Curtis Samuel, to me, is interesting. Mm-hmm. He had the the kind of the bump up in usage. Jahan Dotson has struggled. I know Jahan Dotson caught the touchdown, but yeah. you couldn't really do much less with nine targets than Dotson did last week, and now Dotson's got the ankle. Your thoughts on Curtis Samuel as a sneaky play? Shout out to our boy Nando. I know. That's, that's his guy. His boy. That's his boy. That's... Shout out, Nando. That's Biggest Curtis, he's probably wearing. I a got Curtis a text. Yeah, no, I got I got the text uh, during the day on Sunday. Was that Curtis Samuel in the end zone? You know, so I said, "All right, yeah, all right, Nando." Um, listen, the Curtis Samuel is one of those guys you see on some waiver leagues right now, and he's going to command triple digits probably tonight, uh, just because we're all so desperate for players that we could take off waivers and into our starting lineup. And this matchup looks good. And uh, he's seeing the time on the field. He got the targets. Uh, they, they still do those gimmick plays, the end of rounds that got him in the end zone and, and everything. Um, so, yeah, you know, he's a serviceable piece here. Is this going to lead to uh, Dotson uh, being, you know, uh, we thought this offense coming in, Theo, was going to be Terry and, and Dotson. And they were going to see crazy targets every week. And now four weeks in, Logan Thomas gets his pieces Curtis Samuel is still a thing. So, uh, you know, Samuel, a good a good bench piece to have, Theo, going forward. Some weeks you could slip him in there as your flex play and hope he gives you 10, 12 points. But he's never going to command. These weeks are going to be one out of every six or seven, I think, where he drops the 18 fantasy points and sees that. Dotson, I don't know where you're at, Theo, with Dotson. Obviously, he's been a huge disappointment for where he's gone on the fan, on the draft board this summer. but he still commanded nine targets. And yeah, yeah, it was a game that they got behind uh, and not behind. They, they actually were winning that game for most of it, but it, you know, it turned into a little bit of a mini shootout. That's what you want to see. But Washington is going to be in those positions a lot, I think this year. So uh, I'm not giving up yet on Dotson, but it's been a disappointment for the first month. Yeah. It's definitely been one of the kind of the biggest, but it's hard to call a guy drafted even in the fifth round, like one of the biggest busts, mm-hmm. but he's been a huge disappointment for people that saw him as kind of like a, like you were pulling a fast one. I have a Jameer Gibbs, Jahan Dotson team, Chris, that, that uh, I, I felt really good about after I drafted it. And now it's like, I'm yeah. feel like I'm punching up every single week. Let's uh let's stick with the, with the commanders, Brian Robinson yeah. last week had another strong game. He's running back eight, one month into the season in PPR scoring. Uh, your thoughts on him, how reliable we feel with Brian Robinson. He's kind of like found money based on where you drafted him. There's just certain weeks you look up and the matchup is right and you and, and you get excited about having him in your starting lineup. And then there was weeks like this past week in Philadelphia as big dogs and, and running against a strong defensive line in Philly. And you say to yourself, God, oh my, I got to put this guy on my bench. I think I don't I don't want to get him in my lineup and see him run for 40 yards, maybe. And, and no touchdowns, no receptions. And he's just a four or a five. It gives you that Josh Kelly game. Um, so you're going to have some of those weeks where they run in, they get behind, he comes off the field when they're trailing and he's just an empty 40 or 50 rushing yards, but he gets in the end zone this past week. And then there's weeks, like I said, this upcoming week versus the bears on Thursday night, you see, all right, you know, they're almost a touchdown favorite running against a bad defense. This could be one of those hundred yards and two touchdown games, hopefully for Brian Robinson. So I still don't, it's weird. He's a top 12 RB one, like you said, Theo, but at the same time, when you think about him, do you really say that, you know, no, it's, but it's I think just four weeks, but he's a locked, serviceable fantasy player. Locked in RB two. I yes. think that like, you know, I think when yes. the season ends, he'll be right around RB 
19 RB 20. I think yeah. that's about a safe number. And we're all dying for that deal. Yeah. And we're all dying for that. If you give me anybody that's serviceable that I think I could get 12 fantasy points out of at my RB two position, unless you went you know, pretty running back heavy or you're the fortunate ones that, you know, we landed on the Kyron Williams of the world or the Zach Mosses of the world that are, you know, our late 15th round, 20 round picks and stuff that are coming in that are useful pieces at RB two and some in Kyron Williams, RB one position. But, you know, if you just had a regular R running back draft, give me the Brian Robinson, Khalil Herberts of the world. This is what's getting us by. As long as our receivers are doing what they're doing, uh, as what we expect them to be doing. And that's a whole nother story because our receivers, a lot of our receivers aren't doing what they're supposed to be doing right now and giving a lot of dud games. But running back two is going to be, a, you know, a work in progress every week for our fantasy teams this year. Pivoting over to the quarterback position, Chris, last time we spoke, this was uh, like three weeks ago, we were talking about how slow the quarterback ones were out the gate. This past right. week, Josh Allen finishes as QB1. Uh, Justin Fields was the top three quarterback. Mm -hmm. Lamar Jackson up there. Justin Herbert continues strong play. And Jalen Hurts, uh, QB5 or QB6, depending on your scoring, with Anthony Richardson mixed in. So, we had a week where the the where like kind of a revenge for a couple of these Josh Allen managers, but it's still mm -hmm. not quite there in like the impactfulness one month in. Uh, what are your thoughts on on the early quarterback production from the the guys that were using premium ADP on? Yeah, yeah, Theo, uh, this is crazy. So uh, you know, really impressed. Her First off, Herbert's having a really great start to his season. Uh, he was probably, you know, one of the best picks early at the top eight elite quarterbacks. Him and Lamar, who I was super impressed with. I, I didn't have high expectations for Lamar coming into this week versus a really solid Cleveland defense that's been killing everybody the first couple of weeks. Uh, he was at, without Beckham and Bateman, but he still gets the job done. He's running uh, gets in, you know, uh, twice on the ground and twice through the air, 35 fantasy points in NFFC scoring. Lamar and Herbert have been really, really good. Mahomes, it's crazy. Mahomes has been under, you know, underwhelming. 17 fantasy points this past week. So I think it's a way of you look at it. Yeah, it was a nice bounce back for most of the top eight quarterbacks, unless you're the, you know, the Joe Burrow owner or the Mahomes owner. Uh, but when you look at scoring through the first four weeks, you know, uh, it's, it's weird. So if you waited on quarterback and you hit on Anthony Richardson, Russell Wilson, CJ Stroud, these guys are all averaging between 25.5 and 26.5 fantasy points in NFFC scoring. Okay. Those three names that I just mentioned. Okay. They were not QB ones, any of them. Now, let me tell you about the QB1s that we drafted at the top of the board. Jalen Hurts, Pat Mahomes, and Lamar Jackson. Okay? You know what they're all averaging through four weeks? They're all the same numbers, 25.5 to 26.5. So they're not killing you, Theo, but at the same time, you drafted these guys to give you 35, 40 a week and have the huge separation. That's what we took these guys in the second, third, fourth rounds for. OK, we got we're getting the same production. You know, you look at guys, teams that have Anthony Richardson or plugging in Russell Wilson or CJ Stroud and they're neck and neck with the Mahomes and Hurts teams right now. You know, so I think that's the frustrating part. If you went elite quarterback early this year is that there's no crazy separation from us and, and some of the guys that, you know, you waited on. Never mind the Kirk Cousins and two is even though Cousins and two it came back to life this past week, you know they've been pumping out great uh, you know numbers each and every week the the first three weeks. Yeah, I think it's a you know the separation is really the like the biggest takeaway, Chris, is because mm -hmm. these one off positions when you use that early ADP on them, it's not so I can say, hey, Chris, I have quarterback five and you only have quarterback eleven. Therefore, it's a much better pick. It's that I have like a seven point per game gap, a six point per game gap on you. That's why I use that high pick. So, mm -hmm. you know, seeing the the late round quarterbacks and the, the mid round quarterbacks, uh, you know, challenging these guys, you know, on a weekly basis and outscoring them. It's very frustrating for a lot of, you know, fantasy managers who've maybe gone years and years of 
waiting on quarterback and then finally saying, you know what, this year uh, it's impactful to take these guys. So, which a lot uh, of people did, Theo, obviously this year, you know, that was the, the talk all summer long was that everybody was moving towards this elite quarterback uh, revolution. And that's why the top eight guys were all in the top five rounds. And yeah, you get the games like, you know, this is why we drafted Josh Allen in the second and third round this past week to give the 50 fantasy points that he just gave. That's what you're signing up for when you get these guys early. You know, I'm still underwhelmed. Jalen Hurts is on my biggest team each week. I'm waiting for the 40-something. He's just giving me that 25. This week he gave 30, but he's right there, like I said, with the 26 average. Uh, you know, I didn't sign up in the second round, late second round, take Jalen Hurts to be, at, you know, to just to fit in. You know, yeah. I took him. I took him for the Josh Allen games, and yeah, that'll maybe happen. But I want to see it. You know, <laughs> I want to see it quickly. What you yeah, didn't the, do, Theo, is Joe Burrow and, and you know these guys that are sinking you. Because if you have Joe Burrow, your team is sunk. Yeah, if you have Joe Burrow, you're not using him, and unless you picked up the right quarterback off the waiver wire, you're you're absolutely sunk. And Chris, even if you, even if you added like a Brock a Brock Purdy, a CJ Stroud based on the draft capital you spent on Burrow potential that you also stacked him with a guy like Higgins, who's, you know, now hurt oh. and hasn't done anything or, you know, potentially stacked him with a chase who's been, you know, had one really, really good yeah. game, but it's been disappointing uh, in terms of the draft capital. So yeah, yeah our guy, our guy, crushed. the guilds. Yeah. Our guy, the guilds. Uh, he tweeted out the other day. He, he loved one of his primetime teams uh, from August and it was, uh, you know, Chase, Burrow, and T. Higgins. It yeah. was the Bengals stack. And how, how many of us were crazy about the Bengals stack? That was one of the, you know, if you – and you were able to pull it off pretty easily, Theo, because of Chase in the first couple picks. And then you could get T at the end of the second round and then hit Burrow in the third or fourth. Um, so it was a stack that a lot of people have this year. And if you have that stack, you're probably 0-4, 1-3 at best. Yeah, and shout out to Andrew Geller, the, the Guilds. I split an FFPC main event team with him and Andrew Schellenberg. And uh we're 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 hanging on. We're hanging on. We're two and two. Mm. We're competing. Um team looked <laughs> looked dead week one, but we fought back. So we'll yeah. we'll see. And that's a that's a uh, a Jalen Hurts team. So we'll okay. see uh we'll see how that how that goes. As for, um, as for Burrow, Theo, I'm sorry to get as for oh, Burrow, yeah, yeah. it's crazy. This past week, um, you know, I, I made the decision two weeks ago. Two of my Burrow, I have two Burrow teams, and ironically, they're both backed up by Purdy. Uh, two weeks ago, I went with Purdy, and it worked out well. This past week, I went back to Burrow uh, just because of that matchup with Tennessee, and he bombed. You know, so this week, what would you? Where would you go? Would you go back to Burrow versus Arizona and play that you know matchup, or have you seen enough now? We talked about this a couple weeks ago, Theo, when we were on the show together about you know putting your pride aside and just saying this isn't happening right now. And you got to go to the backup that's giving you the steady 24, 25 points and forgetting about like, you're not getting 40 fantasy points out of Burrow right now. You know, what's his upside 25. You know, I am, I'm scared to play Burrow. I think he also has a chance. Be. He gets knocked out of the game too. He doesn't look right to me. I know that we keep hearing these reports that he's healthier. He doesn't look healthy at all. No. It's a lot of, you know, a lot of kind of fake, you know, news out there and a lot of fake reports about a lot of things so far. And Burrow, in my opinion, we should have just, if we could have relitigated this season, when he got hurt, they should have put him on the IR. They should have gone into the first four games of the year. In retrospect, you could have gone one and three, you know, with, with Browning as, yeah. as your quarterback. Um, but they rushed Burrow back. And I think the whole season is going to kind of be lost from this. Yeah. And Chris, I wonder if T Higgins doesn't get traded to Carolina, because I think that if awesome. the season's lost, Jamar Chase going to get Great that point. monster deal. Yeah. Burrow just got paid. And you're talking, you're hearing that you're hearing that Carolina wants to make a move. I think that might be, that might be the one. Uh, Theo, that's a great point because yeah, we're hearing the Carolina wants a uh, you know a one. They're not going to give T Higgins the money he's looking for. He's gone. If they lose in Arizona uh, this week and maybe one more week, and then they have a week seven bye, I believe. If they go into that bye week one and five, you could kiss T Higgins goodbye. I think. Okay, they already have Tyler Boyd. They have a nice young uh, rookie slot receiver in Charlie Jones that I, I think has a nice future ahead of him. They won't miss T. Higgins that much. And if they could get a, a draft pick or two um, for T. Higgins, no doubt about it. You could see him moving on to Carolina. But, Theo, how about this? I've been thinking about this since yesterday. 
you know, who's struggling offensively right now that could use a legit number one receiver? Multiple is it, teams. Is it? Yeah, you're right. But is it maybe Kansas City Chiefs and Pat Mahomes? Could 100%. T. Higgins wind up in Kansas City and say, hey, listen, we got a championship type team here, but these receivers suck. And let's give Kelsey another weapon, uh, you know, in, in this offense. Besides Mahomes, another weapon besides Kelsey in this offense. Bring in T. Higgins, and he hits pay dirt landing in Kansas City to make a run at another Super Bowl while they still have all their pieces together here. I could see him getting moved to Kansas City. I would love that. I'd love to see uh, Kansas City add your guy, Hollywood Brown who is also entering oh. a contract year. So Chris, hopefully we yeah. can manifest a few fantasy it. trades. We get see guys more and more targets. trades every, we didn't used to see uh, NFL teams trading a lot. And now in these last couple of years, we see trade deadlines, like it's the NBA, you know? So uh, it's nice. I expect a lot of pieces uh, to be on the move and let's get T Higgins out of there. Let's, uh, mm-hmm. you know, let's talk about a great situation right now. You know, when we spoke last Christian McCaffrey was off to a red hot start. Yeah. Now he's up to 30 points per game. So the start keeps getting better and better. Um, you know, how how impactful is Christian McCaffrey, especially when you compare him to guys like Josh Jacobs, Ramondre Stevenson, Derrick Henry, yeah. uh, you know, the kind of the the lower end RB1s, not to mention the other RBs like Nick Chubb lost for the year. Saquon Barkley, multiple week injury, Austin Eckler, multiple week injury injuries. Like this has been the cheat code and the edge with McCaffrey teams. It is. It is this year, Theo. And, uh, you know, I wanted to talk about McCaffrey here because you sit here, you watch a game like this past week. Who's doing this, man? Who's touching the ball this many times? 20 carries for 106 yards and three touchdowns. And he chips in seven catches for 71 yards on eight targets and a touchdown. Theo, this is this is a you know the rare running back and wide receiver, two players in one on your fantasy roster. Um, you know, he had like 48, 49 fantasy points this week. To me, he's the cheat code, and it reminds me of Derrick Henry two years ago when the fantasy community, if you didn't have Derrick Henry, this is before he got hurt, you know, he got hurt like in week seven or eight, but the first seven weeks. You opened up your computer, you went into your matchup for the week, and you would just had one eye closed going, please don't let me be playing Derrick Henry this week. Please let me face the Derrick Henry team when Derrick Henry is on a bye. Like, this is the same thing with McCaffrey here, okay? He's carrying fantasy teams. He's going to continue carrying fantasy teams. He's the Derrick Henry of, uh, of two years ago. He's the Travis Kelsey of last year the cheat code at the position, 30 fantasy points a game so far this year. Let's just look real quick at the top 12, okay, in NFFC scoring. The second, uh, right now, second in scoring, but it's a Fugazi, Theo, as we like to say. It's it's A-Chain, okay? It's a couple games, but he's averaging 26.7 a game, A-Chain, which shout out to you. That was your boy all year long. Thank you, Chris. Great call. I'm that an was your guy. guy. I'm an uh, of course guy. you are. Um, here's the thing, though. Unfortunately, he's not going to be averaging 26.7 every week, Theo, right? So that number is going to come down, okay? Eckler only one game comes in at three at 26 points a game, and Mostert at 22.6 is four. All A-Chain and Mostert, they're coming off the map. Moral of the story is when you look through, Kamara is fifth with just one game. Uh, Kyron Williams is at 20 and Monty at 20 and everyone else under that. Okay. This is a 10 point gap at running back that you have an advantage of if you're the McCaffrey owner. Okay. So if McCaffrey, I expect him to be in that high twenties, early thirties, every week, the way he is used in this offense, the touches he gets those easy inside the five yard line, he's automatic. He's getting the ball and walking into the end zone chips in six to seven catches every week. The gap, if, what running backs can you expect, Theo, to be over an average of 18 to 20 a game consistently? I you think Bijan will get there, Chris, because he hasn't scored the touchdowns mm-hmm. yet, and he's he's given you the production. But, yeah, you're right. It's a complete cheat code. And there's a complete unwillingness to give other running backs touches so far. Like, 
the, the it, it actually makes me like Elijah Mitchell more in the game that Elijah Mitchell misses with a knee injury because yeah. they you know they kept giving the, the rock to McCaffrey and it's he's so efficient but it's it's yeah it's an absolute dream if the yeah. season was redrafted he's the number one pick hands down yeah um, and Christian McCaffrey teams are looking really really good right now there, there is, you know, I tweeted this out the other day. There's only two automatic players in fantasy nowadays, Theo. In past years, you would have, you know, six, seven, eight, maybe more guys that every week you could rely on for 20 fantasy points. Every week, you, if your name isn't Christian McCaffrey or Justin Jefferson, you can get a seven from anybody, a seven, eight, nine point game, or you could get a 27 point game from anybody, okay? Unless your name is McCaffrey. Or at, at the skill position, okay? Everyone else is great. Even Tyreek Hill, we, you know, absolute stud. I love Tyreek Hill. Great. Should have been the third player off the board after Jefferson and McCaffrey. Uh, you know, that's if we were drafting again, he would be third. He's had two monster games this past week, nine fantasy points, right? So it can happen. The only two people you feel comfortable about going, okay, first person in my lineup every week is 25 points automatic is McCaffrey and Justin Jefferson. So huge cheat code this year at the running back position, huge gap. It's like having an extra player on your fantasy roster with McCaffrey, and I don't see it stopping. I'll say this. Based on the way that A.J. Brown has been used the last two weeks, Mm -hmm. I think that A.J. Brown is kind of moving into that for me just because I know that there's the threat of Devonta Smith, but I think this is a trend, Chris. I think this is a trend. You have the challenging game on the road in Tampa. Yeah. Then you have the the Washington game where they're trailing, and this new offensive coordinator Johnson is calling Brown's name over and over again. You mentioned Dallas Goddard, um, AJ Brown. To me, might be like three weeks from now, we might be saying AJ Brown's the league winner at the wide receiver spot. And 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 hand up, Theo. Uh, I gotta be honest. Uh, AJ Brown was my last wide receiver in that big wide receiver tier. I I. I have two big teams with him just because he was that last receiver. And I was always taking the big receiver in the first round, but I didn't feel great about it. And the reason why I didn't feel great about it is because I said, okay, I could get Devonta Smith, who I think might take over for AJ Brown as the one in Philadelphia this year, you know, around a later. Um, so, or, or possibly in an NFC scoring with, um, you know, the third round reversal, maybe clip him at that 25th, 26th pick early in the third. Um, but it's looking after the, that Thursday night game where A.J. Brown was flipping out uh, on the sideline. These last two games have been monster games. And, and yeah, he's looking like that top four overall wide receiver. And I don't know what's going on there. I don't know if that's going to continue, Theo. I don't know if it's going to be week in and week out where he's the alpha one and Devonta Smith is just chipping in wide receiver two numbers. I still think it'll be a give and take where some weeks it's Devonta having the big blow up week and AJ maybe having the five for 70 type game. But these last two weeks proves why he's been a first round uh, pick this year. Uh, he's he's the alpha one. Yeah, no doubt about that. And we we also talked about briefly – how you're excited about this Jacksonville Buffalo game. I am as well. You know, Buffalo, Josh Allen last week smashes. Stephon Diggs has three touchdowns. James Cook uh, had less usage, but I'm, I'm unconcerned. I think he's a locked in top 15 play at running back, but let's Mm -hmm. stay with the Jags. Jags stayed the week in London, which I think is very smart. Yeah. But Chris, we're, we're, we're not loving what we're seeing here. Trevor Lawrence, disappointing. And Calvin Ridley, has gone three straight games with uh, not breaking 40 yards receiving. I know he had the touchdown, but it was kind of a bro- busted coverage. Yep. How concerned are you about Ridley, and can Lawrence get it going? I, I feel like, Theo, I feel like this is like a, a weekly you know, discussion. This is It's crazy because I'm all in on the Jacksonville offense this year. I've, you know, I, I'm all in on Lawrence and, and Ridley and Kirk, and Kirk's bounced back nicely the last couple games. I'm not – I said this to uh, I said this to our guy last week, Matt Kelly, that you know I wasn't worried about Ridley, and now we're a week later. And other than the broken touchdown play, I want to tell you again, Theo, I'm not worried again I, for whatever reason. I, I don't know. It, it, you know, he hasn't given other than week one those alpha wide receiver ones numbers that we were hoping for when we took him in the top 18, 24 overall pick, but. This week, he catches a major break. Tredavious White 
you know, goes down with the Achilles injury for Buffalo this past week, he would have been faced, you know, uh, with a matchup against him, which I would have been like, uh oh, we're in trouble again. AJ Terrell last week does a number on him. Okay. And the ball gets spread out. Uh, I, I think Calvin Ridley, if he does not put up a big number this week in London against the Bills and Tredavious, Wright, Tredavious um, White, I would be hitting the panic button because that'll be four straight games. But I think this is an explosion game. I'll be betting Calvin Ridley props over, catches and receiving, uh, receiving yards this week. Trevor Lawrence is, you know, is more of a concern to me than Ridley is just because the numbers aren't there. The volume isn't there. He's got to get his points up to over, you know, 27, 28. He's keeps pumping out these 20 point fantasy games average. Uh, so I'm hoping that the matchups start working out better for Jacksonville. Theo is basically what I'm saying, just because they need to start. They need to see a team like Buffalo. They need yeah. to see a game where, hey, let's go up and down the field and play a little bit of a track meet here. They're getting stuck with the Atlantas, the Texans of the world these last couple of weeks. Let's get into some of these games where, we, you know, I hope they fall behind 14 nothing early in the game. But side note, Theo, I already bet Jacksonville money line this week. Uh, I took them plus the six points and I money lined them. That's my pick of the week. I love the fact that you're taking a team in Buffalo off of a high beating a, 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 in a huge game that they're up for, okay, uh, versus Miami, their rival in the division. They come off a huge home win. Now they got to fly to London where Jacksonville's, like you said, been staying there already. They already had their London game this past week. They're accommodated. They're, you know, they're all comfortable there. They've been there. They've uh, acclimated to the the change and everything. Buffalo comes in now uh, for their, their game. Uh, without their top corner, just like Dallas did, okay, when they lost Diggs midweek and they laid an egg versus Arizona a couple weeks ago. Well, now Tredavious White goes down. They got to be feeling the effects of that. I think Lawrence shreds this secondary. I think Jacksonville has a real big breakout fantasy game, all of them, and Jacksonville wins in London. I love it, Chris. I love it. It's, uh, you know, the the Atlanta game was like, you know, they're just a better team than Atlanta – you know, obviously Desmond Ritter, you know, struggled a lot in that game. But I think that this game is kind of telling for Jacksonville's rest of season. The AFC South is is a winnable division. The Houston game was a really tough one to swallow. Kansas City, you can kind of forgive that loss. But yeah, I, I love it. And you have to think, you know, we oftentimes look for emotional letdowns in college football gambling. Mm-hmm. But how could you not have a little bit of an emotional letdown when you beat Miami 48 to 20 at home? Now you got to get on a plane and go to London and go play in Europe at 9.30 in the morning. Sets um, up perfectly. Yeah, deal. it sets up absolutely perfectly. We already so- saw the line open at six, six and a half, and it's down to five and a half now. So the, the money's coming in on Jacksonville. It's a perfect opportunity. Whether it works out or not, Theo, I don't know. You know, I've lost before. But this is a perfect opportunity to take a shot on a money line. I think I got plus 205 on Jacksonville. It's a nice opportunity when you factor in everything we just talked about. Chris, you know, it's funny. We, we talked in the pre-show about how I think this is the worst waiver wire week of the season. Um, certain home leagues you, you had access to, guys like Jaleel McLaughlin and Keaton Mitchell and Michael Wilson. Um, yeah. But in, in NFFC, those guys are, are mostly rostered. How much many McLaughlin shares did you cut? Because Billy Muzio and I talked about this, like, Billy and I, at the end of August, um, you know, early September, we had like 80% McLaughlin. And then, uh, of course, it's slow out the gate. You want to play the waiver wire. I still probably have like 40% McLaughlin, yeah. maybe a little more. But now he's going to go for like, you know, leagues he's available in. He'll go somewhere between 25 and 30%, I think is about right. Mm-hmm. I don't think he's a break the bank guy, but it's still like a, you know, you, you wish you could have gone back. Any guys that you've cut this year? that, you know, you really, really have regrets on cutting. Oh, my God, Theo, you're, you're hitting the question. It's It's been paining me since Sunday, okay? And to your McLaughlin point, uh, I'll raise you uh, Michael Wilson, yeah, who was on I don't know how many of my teams. If I'm, I'm in four big auction leagues, Theo. In all four, he was my $1 end-of-game wide receiver. He's no longer on any of my 
four auction teams for $1 because I cut them needing that last spot as we all do, as once the season gets going, you're adding the Keaton Mitchells. I think I did that honestly, two weeks ago was, you know, Keaton Mitchell for Michael Wilson. Um, you know, it, it just hurts. You, you look the first couple weeks starts, Theo, and you're like, ah, I'm not getting anything. I'm, I'm just wrong. Let me throw in the towel. Now go pick up a defense that I need, or a, you know, a, a end of bench running back. And then it bites you in the ass. You know, you look up, Michael Wilson has that, nice seven for 75 and two touchdown type game. Looks like he can be a nice piece moving forward tonight on the waiver wires. He's going to be the, the big, you know, money guy. He he'll be the one that's commanding most of the money, him and McLaughlin, your guy. Those will be the two big ads, but Theo straight across. I want wait before I even get to that point, you know what I did last week, Theo, besides the Wilson drops uh, that it was painful. I had another terrible drop. I, and maybe you could tell me if this was a bad move or not. Um, I don't, for whatever reason, I loved the ad of Gerald Everett. Okay. Um, coming into the last, this past week. So the fact that I bid between 75 and a hundred dollars on him, I thought he was going to be a, like somebody that was really in demand. Once Mike Williams came out, Gerald Everett is a really nice move tight end in that offense. I thought he could be, you know, the, the third option, uh, maybe even second in some weeks. So, and, and in leagues that I was struggling at tight end, I went and made sure I went and got Gerald Everett and who I dropped in all three leagues for him was Cole Komet. That one hurts a and lot, Chris. Pain. I mean, I can understand, I can understand you're chasing Everett. You yeah. have a potential bailout because Donald Parham now has a wrist injury. Yeah. So maybe after, you know, yeah, maybe after it was a bad read. Yeah. Maybe it was just a bad read, Theo, and, and and that sucks because I did that two years in a row, like I said, with Cole Komet giving up on him and this Bears offense maybe a little sooner than I should. But Michael Wilson and uh, Michael Wilson's my big regret uh, there. Well, I'll, next time I see you in a draft room this summer, Chris, I'm going to tap you on the shoulder. I'm going to say, listen, if you take Cole Komet, it's set it and forget it. You're not cutting him. You got to lock him in there. Uh, yeah. Chris, give us one. Give us one big prediction. Uh, for this weekend? Um, I think, you know, I, I did say that I, I thought, um, you know, the, the Jacksonville offense would explode finally this week. So that's one of them. But let me give you another one. Zay Flowers goes eight catches for 120 yards and a touchdown. And uh, he's had a couple slow weeks this past week versus Pittsburgh secondary. I think he has a, you know, a, a, what we saw in week one, another heavy targeted game blows up and uh, hopefully Beckham and Bateman take another week to recover. I think Zay Flowers goes off this upcoming week versus Pittsburgh. I love it. Um, I think this week I'll, I'll, I'll stay with, with New York teams. I think Zach Wilson finishes as quarterback, like let's say inside the top 10 quarterback scorers of the week. Um, you know, it's wow. not, I think this is going to be Zach Wilson has like three touchdown passes and the Jets take care of business against Denver. Love um, that pick. Theo, I, I know we said ja I said Jacksonville, but my two big bets that I placed already was Jacksonville and the Jets. I absolutely love the Jets. I was shocked. I thought, you know, when you do these lines, when you see who they're playing the next, I said, ah, the Jets will be laying three in Denver. Okay. And then to see that they were catching a couple points, um, I was shocked. I think defensively the Jets win this game on defense alone. Um, and go into Denver and they win a, a game 24-13 type. Uh, this is a huge game for the Jets, and they know their prospect for the season. They're 1-3. They can't go to 1-4. This is a season-saving type game. I still think Denver sucks. And uh, this defense for Denver, Zach Wilson could take advantage of. Yeah, and I, I love the fact that they're targeting Garrett Wilson. Like, it's not like let's love let's you know try to, try to trudge in the yeah. mud. It's let's target our stud. They got 14 targets from last week. You know, shout out, shout out to Hackett, shout out to Sala. This is a fantasy empire. People in New York are happier when Garrett Wilson is getting targeted. Uh, a lot of smiles on the faces for Garrett Wilson, fantasy managers a week from now. Chris, this was awesome. Let everybody know where they can find awesome. you. Yeah, uh, every week, my article at uh, The Athletic, uh, you can check that out there. And uh, on Twitter at Chris Vicaro GST or uh, in Tribeca at Greenwich Street Tavern every Sunday watching the games. Come on down. Pop in to the Greenwich Street Tavern. Good time to watch a game down there. Chris uh, brought up the fact that there's multiple 4 o'clock games. You're not going to be bored at 4. 
You can have something good on the screen, something good to eat, something good to drink. Uh, definitely check yes, out sir. the Goat District and and the Deep End if you like high stakes talk. Uh, those two shows are now both on Tuesday evenings at eight and nine consecutively. Mike Shope, Adam Krautwurst, uh, JD, Dan Williamson. I'm in the Goat District, uh, you know, a couple times a month, and there's some high stakes talk in those leagues as well. Stick with the Fantasy Empire all season long, right here on Player Profiler, 11:30 on Wednesdays on the East Coast. Uh, and yeah, I got press coverage tomorrow, Thursday at 3.30 with Andrew Cooper of Fantasy Alarm. That should be a very good one. We hope you guys crush your leagues this week. Uh, stick with Player Profiler all season long. Uh, we got you covered. We want to see you make some money. We want to see you raise some titles. Hey, I want to take a moment to thank you for tuning in. It's important to me that all of our media be free. This is only possible because of you allowing a true independent sports media enterprise to thrive unlike any other in the business. So please subscribe to the All In Package to continue to make all this possible to ensure that all of our stats, information, data, content is available to you, especially you, the people that get the site and get the show.